0: Hi, this is Rini Primeza, the Jersey Dog Trainer, telling you to stay tuned to WNJC 1360 AM for Thursday in the doghouse, coming right up. Mama wasn't butt that was one too. Me, I'm a little bit of everything. Everything that I
1: use.
0: One day I'm walking down my block. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Thursday in the Dog House. I'm your host, Rene Premeza, the Jersey dog trainer. Thursday in the Dog House is the only radio talk show in South Jersey that focuses on the subject of dogs. We're here every Thursday morning from 10 to 10.30, right here on WNJC, 1360 AM. My program is devoted to educating you, the dog-owning community, so that you can gain a better understanding of why dogs do the things they do. My goal is to help pet parents build a relationship with their dogs based on trust, not intimidation and punishment. If you haven't been able to listen to my show on a regular basis, you can always hear it by going to my website, www.jerseydogtrainer.com, click on the page marked Rainy's Radio Show. You'll see podcasts listing each week's topic of discussion, so you can choose whichever show you want to hear at any time. My guest today is Kelly Schweiner. Kelly is a former resident of New Jersey and is now a professional dog trainer practicing in West Palm Beach, Florida. Kelly works as a full-time trainer for the Peggy Adams Animal Rescue League in West Palm Beach, and she trains both the staff and volunteers who work there. Kelly spends a lot of her time teaching people what to look for when choosing a dog to adopt for their families. She explains how dogs perceive the interactions and actions of children from their own perspective. She educates people about how to recognize and understand basic dog body language and strives to help pet parents build, repair, or strengthen the relationship they share with their canine family members. Before we talk to Kelly, please let me tell you what services I offer right here in the South Jersey area as a professional dog trainer and certified behavior consultant. Is your dog always in the doghouse? Does he greet people by jumping all over them? Does she chew your shoes and steal your undies? Guess what? Your dog needs training. Hi, I'm Rene Premeza, the Jersey dog trainer, and I train dogs using only positive-based methods. My services include private training right in your own home. I also offer group puppy kindergarten classes starting at eight weeks of age and group classes for adolescent and adult dogs beginning at five months of age. All group classes are held at Dog Days Camp for Canines, 23 West Main Street, Marlton, New Jersey. For more information, please contact me at 609-280-9338 or on the web at www.jerseydogtrainer.com. Again, that's 609 609- Two eight zero nine three three eight. We're on the web at www.jerseydogtrainer.com. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. How are you? Thanks so much for taking your uh, time out with us today.
1: Oh, no problem. I really am I'm enjoying this. I'm looking forward to this.
0: Good. Um, I was very impressed to learn that the Peggy Adams Animal Rescue League has a full-time trainer on the premises. I don't hear that very often about shelters.
1: Yes, um, it is actually a, becoming a very popular uh, concept recently, um, especially here in South Florida. Uh, I believe, if uh, I am correct, that Peggy Adams is the second uh, shelter running in Palm Beach County with a full-time trainer hired.
0: I see. That's great. So, um, so for the benefit of the people that are listening to our program today, can you tell us when dogs come into any shelter? Do you recommend that they go through a temperament test before they're made available for adoption?
1: Uh, What we do, especially at our shelter, is we give them a few days to relax and get acclimated to the facility because it's really hard to assess the personality when the dog has either just come off the street as a stray, maybe lost its home, uh, a lot of confusion and stress. So we try to give at least a few days, sometimes up to a week, depending on the dog, and how they're adjusting, until we do an evaluation. I see. And we really recommend that for every dog in a shelter.
0: Right. Um, are they difficult for the dog to, to um, is it difficult for the dog to undergo those those tests?
1: Absolutely. Um, they can be stressful uh, and confusing for some of the dogs. We try to make it as um, uh, a positive experience as possible, mm-hmm. but what we're really looking for is mostly how the dog is reacting to certain stimuli to see how it recovers reco- from certain kinds of stresses. For instance, uh, we throw a food bowl down, an empty food bowl down in the room just to make a loud clanging noise, almost like what would happen in real life at a home if someone would drop a pot or a pan on the floor when they were cooking right. to see how the dog reacted to sounds. Obviously, some dogs, I actually choose not to do that if they're really, really stressed. Mm-hmm. You only do that type of test if they're okay.
0: Okay. And you test them uh, with food in the bowl to see if they're protective about, you know, about food or bones?
1: Yes, we do actually three different types of uh, guarding tests, um, which would be the food bowl test where we use high-value wet dog food. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also do a chewy test, like a chew bone, either a rawhide or a pig ear or mm-hmm. something like that. Right. And then we do a toy test to see if the dog has any kind of interest or po- over possession of a toy. Because some dogs could be very possessive over a bone and not food, right. or a toy and, and nothing else. Correct,
0: and I know that there are some dogs that will protect an empty food bowl too, which is pretty serious.
1: It, it is. Uh, thank goodness that doesn't happen very often.
0: Right. I don't say it too often <laughs> either. But we do on occasion get a, a
1: few dogs that are that extreme. Yeah. But it is rare. So so in your
0: mind, how accurate are those tasks in predicting what problems might lie ahead for potential adopters?
1: Um, they, Unfortunately, any kind of evaluation in a shelter environment, or really any type of rescue or uh, facility or environment, it is really not 100% accurate. We're looking at a snapshot in time, how the dog feels about certain things that are happening at that moment in time Mm -hmm. in that room, in that environment. Um, But it really can give us at least, what we do is, what we take the data that we're looking at and we try to create a personality uh, profile from what we're seeing, knowing that very well, the dog could act very differently once it's relaxed in the home environment. But if we see some very extreme behaviors, uh, that might pose a potential threat to someone, obviously we do take that into much, you know, consideration. And, right. and that, that then tends to go in a different direction.
0: Kelly, I have I, I do have one additional question about that. Suppose you have a dog there that's uh, been there for, let's say, over a month. Sometimes I know that dogs can be in there for more than two months. If somebody is interested in a dog that's been there for a while, do you then retest the dog?
1: Yes, we actually, uh sometimes, as you know, in sheltering and working with animals, <laughs> it can get very, very hectic, and we don't always get to our uh, re-evaluations. But we do actually try to make it a, uh, a habit of... Once an animal is there for a certain amount of time, uh, we, it, when we do have times when we're not evaluating the newcomers, mm-hmm. uh, we try to fit in a couple of long termers into the slots of evaluation. Good. Uh, we actually have some dogs that, uh, I think some of the longer term or the average length of long term stay at our shelter mm-hmm. is about a year, some wow. of them. Wow. So we do try, yeah, we do try to reevaluate at least a couple times during that time period. Okay.
0: Good. Um, so, all right, so you're you spend a great deal of time, I think, giving advice to potential adopters on what to look for, to make sure they're making the right decision. What advice can you offer our listeners who want to now go out and adopt a dog for their family um with small children? what What type of dog would you tell them to look for?
1: Well, I think the uh, there's a few things to consider. Um, Obviously, the family should get to know and and discuss amongst themselves what are their own personal expectations, what is their lifestyle like, are they very active, what time do they have to put into training. Um, And after they kind of come to a family discussion about which direction of type of uh, activity level um, and time that they're going to put into a new pet, Another thing to consider would be the age of the children. Uh, children five to six uh, years of age and younger, it's very hard for them to understand dealing gently with a dog. It's very hard to get that concept across to them. So sometimes uh, myself and several other adoption counselors at the shelter do recommend, if it, whenever possible, to try to wait till the child is at least five or six years of age and up. Mm-hmm. Um, but... There are some wonderful dogs that really just enjoy being with children. I usually say to look for a dog that is um, at least three years of age. Um, when dogs are going through the adolescent and growing stages, there's, they're going through a lot of changes, just like a human teenager. That's right. And dogs become mentally and physically mature at about three years of age. So mm-hmm. you kind of... Pretty much what you see is mostly what you get. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, they tend to be a little bit more relaxed and uh, a little calmer because they're an adult, which is a much better fit for a home with children. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I also really like to stress people when they're looking for a dog is look for a dog that's not just tolerating the interaction between the children um, and the dog, rather, The dog shouldn't just tolerate the handling of the child. The dog should look as though they're gravitating and enjoying every moment with them because tolerating certain things when children only go so far with a dog. Right.
0: So when a dog is in a shelter, how can we make sure that the dog is going to be good with small children? We, We certainly don't have that availability to bring small children into a shelter to test them out with that. So how would you judge that?
1: Absolutely. I guess it's good to know that, yes, we at our shelter do not use small children for our <laughs> testing experience, <laughs> but uh, no, it is very difficult. It's actually um, something that we have never at a shelter. We cannot predict behavior of any animal mm-hmm. um, at any time. Uh, we're making our closest educated guesses of the, per- the personalities of the dogs, uh, and we are looking again for a very well-behaved, kind of calm-mannered dog, and a dog that really Really deals with stress well, like if we do that loud noise test, yes. we want to see that the dog is not phased or recovers very quickly from it because children make noise and there's a lot of unpredictability. So that kind of gives us a direction mm-hmm. and that we relay to the adults, uh, the adults, uh, the parents rather, the adopt, the potential adopters and say we Basically, we'll tell them this is kind of what we believe, and let's give it a try. We actually then um, have them meet with the dog in an adoption counseling room, Mm -hmm. and then we, of course, watch the interaction between the children and the dog to determine, as a group, not only the... the staff at the shelter, but, of course, with the parents at the same time to determine the safety of, of what we think. But a lot of it is really about the parent. There's no such thing as a 100% safe animal, just like a human. Sometimes we have bad moods and sometimes we have good moods. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely up to the parent, once the dog is in their home, to really monitor constantly, never leave the child alone with the dog, um, and help the shelter dog, of course, at the same time, get used to the new environment and the new schedule of that home.
0: Now, how how accurate is the behavior of the people and the children? How accurate can you assess their behavior when they're in the counseling room that they're going to um, do what you're advising them to do once they're home? Everybody's all excited. Everybody wants, you know, they're going to fall in love with the dog, and everybody's just going to be so, you know, excited about the dog. Obviously, we can't guarantee that that they're going to listen to you, but can you get a fair can you get a fair feeling um, from what you 're observing in that room?
1: Yes, actually a lot of uh matching uh dogs to families is um really lies with the adoption counselor uh, that their their instinct um, it's really sometimes <laughs> it really is true Rene the people are it's almost like they, you, you think they're listening, but they have this kind of glazed look of excitement Correct. over their face. Right. And, and then they go home and, you know, you ask, and you counsel them maybe a couple of weeks later, hey, did you do this? Well, I didn't know I was supposed Well, yeah, we right. told you that. Right, because you're not <laughs> and it's listening. It's almost like it goes in one ear after the other because they're just maybe not paying attention there, or there's so much to, you know, absorb. Mm -hmm. That's probably a lot of it, too. Um, We do give out, of course, handouts. We give a lot of resources to try to take home. We give out a free DVD, a free training DVD, to every person that adopts any dog uh, at our shelter. Mm -hmm. So we try to give them as much tools, resources, and, of course, um, myself, uh, free counseling over the phone, or if they want to come in back into the shelter, I'm always available to try to give as much free advice as I possibly can, Mm -hmm. uh, given my time constraints at the shelter, to try to, to help them along the process, mm-hmm. anytime they need me, I'm there. Uh, and you're right; it, it really is. Uh, there's no predicting the dog's behavior as well as there's no predicting human behavior. Right, right. <laughs> so I, we just I, try I... to make our our best judgment, and also by we go by our, how the feeling is. If we feel comfortable, then we we just go for it.
0: Mm-hmm. I. Uh, ha- when when people are looking for the dog and they go through the kennels and they, they kind of choose a dog that they think that they would like, do you make suggestions on how much time they should be spending with that dog prior to their taking the dog home? In other words, should they come back and visit with the dog at least once or twice more? Or is I that believe- not reasonable? Oh.
1: I'm sorry. I, ideally, they should definitely come back as many times as they feel that they would. They would like to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, the, our shelter is a much larger scale. Uh, the previous shelter I worked at it was a much smaller scale shelter, and we really had policies on that that we actually did uh, mandate that they come in uh, once they fill out the paperwork, do an interview, sit with the dog, not necessarily for a uh, certain length of time, but that they come back uh again and then we would actually come to their home with the dog. We don't have the luxury at the shelter I'm at now because it's a much larger scale shelter. Right. But we do encourage them to come back the next day uh for adoption so that way they go home with all the resources and materials. Mm-hmm. Uh think about it, read it, watch the hopefully watch the DVDs mm-hmm. and uh, come back the next day and and we do have some people that say, you know what, I'm not sure if uh, owning a dog is right for me or maybe this dog really is not what we're looking for. Mhm.
0: That would be after they, they got the dog home or before that they would Preferably
1: the... it's when they go home and then come back the next morning to pick the dog up. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, But we have had some people when they've actually come back the next day, really believe that this was the right dog for them, but then they've taken the dog home and maybe within a couple of weeks mm-hmm. or maybe a week mm-hmm. realize that it might be, just not the right fit for one reason or another right. um, but that of course is why we try to counsel them as much as possible in the beginning and try to help and guide the person uh, or the family in the right direction because we really don't want that to happen we don't want the shelter dog to have to uh, you know go leave the shelter have to learn to adjust to strangers in a new home a new environment which is very stressful and scary and then to come back to the shelter again Sure. So we do try to avoid that whenever possible
0: right I. Uh, that's great is it ever possible to tell when the dog is in the shelter um, that that dog might have a propensity for developing issues like separation distress or house training issues or even some aggression issues? Do you, do you ever really see that clearly, or does that have to kind of, like, wait until the dog gets into the home to be able to really tell that that's going to happen?
1: Um, most of the time. And I, and I think that this is just coming personally from, from my perspective because I've worked with animals so long, so many mm-hmm. years, and, and I've worked in, uh, with shelter dogs for the last four years um, that I, I, I have developed sort of where I can see it very clearly, uh-oh, we're heading in a, a, a really bad direction here with, with whatever particular behavior issue I might, I might be thinking we have. Um, so, yes, sometimes it can be very predictable um, when I see what's happening. and Or I can predict, say, not necessarily predict, but I can make an educated guess that mm, the, the dog is acting a particular way here at the shelter. This may be much worse in a home environment. Or I sometimes can also say the opposite, where hmm, this particular behavior looks like this may be shelter-induced, but it may be much better in a relaxed, uh, consistent home environment. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I can make a pretty good educated guess on it, but there are also many times where I feel that the dog is is just not going to do well in the home, not necessarily with a dangerous reason, uh, but maybe might have separation anxiety or other particular behavior issues, and then somebody comes along and adopts the dog, mm-hmm. and a, a month later they're still saying how wonderful the dog is. Yes, they may have some issues, but they're working through it. Good. I think it's sort of a combination of uh, that particular dog's personality and the people who adopt them
0: as well mm-hmm. um, in your estimation and and uh, I don't know if you give advice to people uh, how soon after adoption should the owners really consider beginning training because I know a lot of people who adopt dogs don't consider it until they see a problem
1: Absolutely. That is actually one of the biggest problems, and it's one of the biggest reasons for returns in shelters across the nation when people take a dog and then they return them back to the shelter in a very short period of time because they do just that. They let the dog. Uh, I think it's some people maybe feel that they feel sorry for the dog. The dog came from a scary environment, the shelter. They've rescued the dog, and then when they bring the dog home, they let the dog sleep on the couch or jump up on the counters if this is something that that particular person doesn't want in the future uh, but they let the dog do it now because well let's just let them get settled into the home and and we'll let them you know just kind of relax and, and 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 do those things then later on we'll worry about it well what happens is in the meantime the dog is learning in the brand new environment that that's pretty much what they do this is a consistent way of how we do things Mm -hmm. I can sleep on the couch no one's really telling me otherwise Mm -hmm. and then the dog gets later confused and frustrated when the humans have changed the rules and then the humans get frustrated and confused because now they're having a really hard issue to deal with because the dog has the behavior really strong already and Mm -hmm. now they're trying to change it and they just don't understand or have the tools to do that we actually advise training right away, Uh, not necessarily really strict training sessions, but just establishing just basic rules. If it's something that you personally don't want, the dog on the couch, make sure you just keep the dog away from the couch right from the beginning. Uh, Create a schedule, you know, everything that you want the dog to kind of help fit them into your future schedule, start right away with it. Mm -hmm. We do offer um, training classes, free training classes every Saturday to our adopters. Wow,
0: that's wonderful.
1: Absolutely, and we encourage, in fact, even during the uh, finalization of the paperwork, we have them sign up right then and there for class. (laughs) Is it (laughs) required? Come to class, right? (laughs) Is it required, (laughs) Kelly,
0: that they come to those classes or not?
1: We have a sort of a so-so, I would say about maybe 50, 60% of the adopters come to class. Mm -hmm. It's sort of a hard number to gauge uh, because they might not come to the class that following week they adopt a dog, but maybe a couple months down the road they realize, uh-oh, nice. yeah, maybe I should have, you know, taken the dogs to classes class because now I'm seeing the behavior problems. So they may come later on because they can jump in as long as they sign up and let us know they can jump into our classes. They're ongoing. Mm-hmm. It's sort of more like a one-and-a-half-hour it's um, miniature seminar where we cover just basic stuff. Is it really just one class? Classes.
0: Is it just one class that you would give them, or is it like a six-week class, or how does that work?
1: No, actually, historically, we've been offering just the one class, and it's, it's always the same curriculum every week. We're recovering just the basic necessities um, to get the, the dog settled into the home, such as loose leash walking, not jumping up on people, sit, come, wait at doors, just the basics to mm-hmm. get the person started. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we encourage wherever location that they're at closest to to try to get into a positive reinforcement class mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. um, which would be usually, as you say, more of an ongoing four-, six-, or eight-week course depending on the trainer. Mm-hmm. However, just currently, I believe, uh, I could be wrong, but I know that we either started it last Saturday or I believe we're starting it this Saturday. We have just added a new program where we are doing, a I believe, a four-week course what that is it's so? more ongoing. Good. It is a paid course but it's low cost because we are a humane society. Sure. So even though it's a an ongoing course and it's it, the public has to pay. Mm -hmm. it's very, very low cost as well. But we still are keeping the free one-and-a-half-hour classes as well.
0: That's terrific. It sounds like your program is wonderful. I wish you would move back to New Jersey.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Hey, if it just gets a little warmer up there, I might just do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, You mentioned also uh, in in some material that I was uh, reading about you that you do uh, try to teach people about some basic dog body language Can you give us a little information about what that entails? What are you primarily looking for to teach the people as to what to watch for?
1: Okay. Um, uh, Are you talking about when I'm teaching the volunteers or the public seminars? The public –
0: when you're talking to the adopters or public seminars.
1: Um, Basically, we teach – just some very basic safety stuff. Um, the uh, we have so many adoptions ongoing, and um, we have, I believe, about five or six adoption counselors uh, that are staffed, and they. Uh, I train them to talk about just some basic safety, like not reaching over a dog's head, scratching under, letting the dog come to them, and of course, some basic stress signals from the dog. Uh, I always like to the the few times that I am um, called up to counsel or help counsel a potential adopter on a particular dog, uh, that's also one of the things that I point out. Um, when the dog is in the room with us, for instance, uh, I might say the dog's tail is tucked or the dog is lip- licking his lips, um, his ears are down, uh, or he's yawning, and I'll point, out, point these things out as I'm seeing them to the potential adopters and saying, hey, you know what, this just means the dog is stressed. It may be good stress or it may be bad stress. This is a very stressful environment. Mm -hmm. Um, But at least they're learning how to read that. So that way, if they do adopt the dog, they have a little bit of a clue of how to um, make them fit, better into their home or at least adjust better into their home. In other words, don't take the new, brand new shelter dog to uh, the local parade the week after you adopt them <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> with the clowns and the mm-hmm. marching band going by. That might be a little bit too much for that particular shelter dog. Mm-hmm. But if they eventually want to do something like that and take them, their new dog out to events, if they start to learn to read the signs of stress and body mm-hmm. language, they can say, oh, you know what, maybe this is too much for this dog, and then they can remove the dog from that environment.
0: To me, I think bo- teaching people about dog body language is crucial um, to keeping everybody safe, to keeping everybody happy and, and de-stressing, um, especially when there are small kids in the house who love to go and kiss and hug the dogs. I can tell you that many people that I work with think that their dogs absolutely love being hugged, um, and I'll ask them, well why do you think that? And they'll say, well because he just, he just loves it. And I'll say, okay. And then I will have them, uh, have them hug the dog and then watch, uh, give somebody else in the family a chance to observe the dog's body language. And the dog is clearly looking away, licking his lips. So he is tolerating being hugged, but he doesn't like it. And people have to respect their animals. They have to respect what the dog doesn't like in order to gain that trust that, that especially the shelter dog needs to, needs to develop if things are going to be successful. Do you agree?
1: Absolutely. 100%, Rini. This is a, such a common thing. <laughs> in fact, I'll tell you my dog of 12 years to this day, does not like to be hugged, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I've had her since she was a puppy, mm-hmm. and I desensitized her, and I, and she's exactly doing just that, she's tolerating it, because she goes, oh, here comes mommy again, she's okay. hugging me, these <laughs> silly humans, they do such silly things, uh-huh. Um, but, you know, I, she's also my dog, and I'm not doing it purposefully to mm-hmm. torture her, but so many people, they don't think, they don't know, they don't see that the dog is just... Not enjoying it right. And that can be dangerous Because when they don't see it Is when the dog starts to say Hey you know what I'm, I'm saying it loud and clear mm-hmm. How come nobody's listening And right. that's when dogs go to A little bit more uh, More obvious signs of body language Which is what the average person understands Is growling, barking, snapping mm-hmm. But dogs are giving so much more body language Before they even do that To try and say Look you know I really don't want to do this I don't want to snap or bite or growl mm-hmm. I'm trying to tell you and it's such a common thing. Um absolutely. And that's why uh, there are dog bites, is because people are usually missing the signs mm-hmm. um, before they before they get bit.
0: Sure, and if if you're hugging your dog, obviously you're not watching what your dog's responses are because you can't see his face, and you're not paying attention to the rest of uh, the rest of his body, and that's really scary when young children are doing that, and the dog is is clearly not not real happy, and with young children being right in the face of the dog, regardless of. That dog could be wonderful. That dog could be the the best-bred dog, the most, not even a shelter dog. He could have been a puppy, and even as a puppy, puppies will do that. And so a lot of children will get nipped in the face, and then people automatically think, oh, my God, my dog is aggressive, where he's not. He's already gone through his bank of warnings, and now he's just run out. So it's very, very important that, pe- that people understand that, that children hugging dogs is not a good idea, and even adults hugging dogs is not a good idea. And teaching people about body language, I think, is just so important. Um, I really uh, enjoyed talking with you, and I think that you have such a great opportunity to educate people in your current position there. And I really have to thank you very much for spending time with us today, Kelly. I I wish you were here in New Jersey. I think I would love to work with you. Um, <laughs> Thank so you. so I wish you good luck in your endeavors and I I thank you for all the good work that you're doing and maybe we can do this again sometime.
1: Absolutely. I appreciate it. When I come back to visit visit New Jersey, I'll come down to South Jersey and and we'll get together and talk more about dogs. That, that would be like great.
0: A- that would be great, <laughs> Kelly. You have a great day. Thank Take you. Take so care. Much. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you, Duke. Thanks for reminding me that we have very little time left. I want to thank everybody for listening to Thursday in the Doghouse. Please tune in again next Thursday morning from 10 to 10.30 on 1360 AM. We'll be talking about a rather new method of helping fearful dogs get over those fears in a very positive and non-threatening manner. If your dog is fearful of anything, I really hope you'll be listening next Thursday. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you later.